Hello and happy Advent. Uh, we're in the season of Advent uh, where we're going to focus on what it means to wait for Jesus. Uh, this week in our waiting, uh, we're, we're actually talking about what it means to be watchful. Uh, throughout this series, we're going to talk about different things that we learn about waiting for Jesus. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about being watchful. Uh, next week is a time to repent. Waiting then brings about a time for healing. And then the, finally, we're going to talk about Advent as a time to love. As we expect uh, and anticipate the loving presence of God coming into the world, we're looking forward to Christ's coming. Uh, but this is a time of watching, repenting, healing, and loving. And so as we prepare to, to watch for Christ, um, I, I really want this to be a time that we are present to the presence of God. And that as we look forward to this next year, that we are developing habits of presence. Uh, that we develop eyes to see and ears to hear what God is doing in the world. Uh, Advent is a time of waiting, and, and we aren't actually very good at waiting. Uh, this is the command that Jesus gives to his apostles and, and to all of his followers. Um, when he's ascending up into heaven, he says, go to Jerusalem and wait. And we are people of action. We don't like to wait. Uh, we, we like things to happen immediately. We get impatient uh, if we sit at a red light for too long. Uh, if a person doesn't let off their brake within a fraction of a second of that light turning green, many people are quick to jump on their horn. We like our food fast, and we like our products delivered. Uh, a whole industry in the last decade has developed around our impatience, where all kinds of services are delivered directly to our doors. If I mean, if you live in a big city. Uh, our society is a society of productivity, and we've created an angst that, and it's created an angst in us that when there's a gap in our schedules, we feel like we need to fill that gap with something. Um, I'm exaggerating this point a little bit just to say we struggle with waiting. Uh, so is there a way to see waiting as productive? Uh, when the thing that you're, I'd say that when the thing that you're waiting on is of the greatest importance. Everything else becomes distraction and can be set aside. Uh, this isn't waiting on something that you see and you have a timeline, but it's when you know a visitor's coming, uh, you're going to you're going to set everything aside to an exp expectation of their arrival. Uh, waiting is active. It implies that a person is prepared for what is about to happen. Waiting is active because you made the choice to do nothing else but prepare and wait. Everything is set aside except for the things that will prepare for the thing that is to come. Uh, everything else becomes just less important when the thing you're waiting and watching for is on the horizon. Paul, in his letter to the church in Rome, um, go look at Romans chapter 8, 22 through 28, he, he reminds them that the hope they have is not for what they have already seen, but for that which they wait for patiently. 
with the Holy Spirit helping them in their weakness. Throughout the season of Lent, or of, no, we're not in Lent, uh, throughout the season of Advent, uh, we're going to take the, a reading from Isaiah, Psalms, an epistle, and the Gospel of Matthew. These passages paint pictures of the future hope and the peace that will come. We can become so preoccupied with the world around us that we lose sight of the reality that is to come that we forget to wait patiently. This waiting looks like peace amongst the chaos. While the world invests their energy in wars and conflicts over power and land, we wait patiently and peacefully for the one who holds true power over all things, and all land is his. Uh, I was talking to uh, someone the other day about, about um, well, they were, they were wanting to talk about end times, and they were looking at the things going on in the world around us, and they're saying, I think we're entering into the end times because things seem so bad. And this view often comes from a, a, a type of nostalgia that the Bible actually warns us against, that we look back over time and we look at the, we look at the days of old as good and better than the days of you know, what's going on today. In the ancient world, uh, the world that the church was born into was far worse as a society uh, than ours today. There are actually less wars today than there were 50 years ago. Poverty is uh, around the world is on the decline. And there's a lot of th- while there's a lot of things in our society um, that may concern me. I, I have to remember that. Uh, America is not the center of God's universe. And there's a good friend of mine who, uh, in talking about the end times, gave uh, a rule of thumb in, in terms of, you know, interpreting the Bible. That if your interpretation of the Bible uh, wouldn't make sense for the church in, the, in India in the year 500, then it's probably not the best interpretation of Scripture. Uh, that is to say that your your place in time and context is not the center of God's place in time and context. And so just because the world around you might be bad or the church might be in decline where you are doesn't mean that the church isn't thriving. And, and this is a hard thing to shake because we, we are often the center of our universe. But what I want Advent to be, and the reason I bring this up, is because Advent is a time of waiting to look for Christ. And it's a reminder that Christ is actually at work now in the world around us. And the Holy Spirit should be leading us to see the work of Christ around us rather than all of the bad that's happening. Do we believe that God is working even amongst the chaos that's taking place in the world. Now, there, there's a lot of things in the world that concerns me, but do I believe that God is bigger? And so the season of Advent reminds us that in the, in the baby Jesus, God has made himself especially present to us. That the God who created all things, who has power over all things, and who has dominion over all things, is the one who has become especially known in Jesus Christ. So when we get preoccupied with 
what Putin is doing or what uh, what war is raging somewhere else or the you know potentials of economic downturn or uh, nuclear threat and I mean there's all and these things are serious we we should have concern for them but when they consume us and rob us of our peace we need to pause and be present to the presence of God the one who's been made known to us in Jesus Christ and the one who's made his dwelling in us through the Holy Spirit and and through being present to the presence of Christ we are able to wait patiently for his return so the focus of our lesson this week is is on waiting and watching. We are we are people who have an eye to what God is doing in the world to see where he is showing up. And the focus of this lesson will be on the gospel reading from Matthew. In Matthew chapter 24 36 through 44. Let me read this real quick and cuz I think this is a a passage that often gets um misunderstood or misread um we have some strong biases in our, our culture uh, around the rapture theology that I'm going to talk about. But in Matthew chapter 24, 36 through 44, uh, the Gospel of Matthew reads like this. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the handmill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time the night, the time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. May God bless the reading of his word. In the days of Noah, the text says that people were living life as normal. They're getting married. They're going about going on about their everyday life. They're engaging in business. They were playing sport, I guess. I don't know what all they did in the days of Noah, but they were doing life as normal in the days of Noah, right up to the moment that the door on the ark shut. Uh, they were preoccupied with life. And Noah was actively waiting for what was to come. He was watching for the rain. His active waiting meant he was focused on the task at hand rather than distracted by the everyday life of the world in which he lived. When the flood came, who was taken and who was left behind? Uh, this is where we get turned around on this passage. When the floods came, who was taken and who was left behind? Uh, the answer in verse 39 
The, the answer is in verse 39 uh, and provides an important context for the misreading of this passage by rapture teaching. Uh, in the coming of the Son of Man, we will be going on about life, but some will be taken and others will be left. You know, those who are unprepared and distracted by the regular going on of life will be taken and those who are actively waiting will be left behind. Uh, in the days of Noah, the people who were going on about life, uh, they were taken by the flood. But those who were uh, prepared, those who were watching, they're the ones who were left. Uh, we get this wrong when we, when we desire to be taken rather than left behind. So the whole Left Behind series is built on a whole misreading of this passage. Um, but I don't, I don't want to get fully into that. The whole point of this passage is, are you waiting? Are you watching? Uh, you, yeah, you've got to keep on about life. You've got to live life. You've got to work a job and get paid and do all those things. But do you have an eye to what God is doing so that you're prepared when he arrives? Uh, are you more concerned about the war going on uh, on the other side of the world? That that will affect us uh, if it continues to escalate. Or are you are you focused on what God is doing in the world? Uh, when we're focused on the death, destruction, and chaos, rather than the Prince of Peace, the God of Love. And the one who brings all things back to right. Uh, when we're more occupied with the going-ons in the world, we're distracted from what God is doing. God created this creation as good. And he intends to return and restore this creation as good. We are to be actively waiting for this goodness to be restored when God comes back. We do not know the time of his arrival, but we wait for it patiently. Uh, and, and this waiting is not passive. It's not a, uh, okay, I don't have to do anything because when Christ returns, I, I think it's important not to go too far with these things. But this active waiting is, is almost to say, okay, what does it look like for God's world to be perfect? And we start preparing his house for his return. And so when we see people hungry, we give them food. When we see people thirsty, we give them something to drink. Uh, when, when they're naked, we clothe them. Um, this is the language of, of Jesus, that whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. That when you set the world back to right, you're joining in the work that God is doing in the world and you're preparing for his coming. And so the early church expected Christ's return within a generation. They expected an immediate return, uh, and even some of Paul's early teachings reflect that he believed Christ would return in his lifetime. There's an urgency um, about the text, and it's been 2,000 years, and we can sometimes can become complacent. So we need to reclaim some of that urgency and reprioritize our energy into things that will last forever. So, some questions. What, what occupies most of your time and energy? Uh, where, do you, where do you allow your frustration to take you? And how do you reframe that into 
paying attention to what God might be doing in those situations. What are you doing to find rest in the peace of waiting for Christ's return? Are you active in resting? Are you active in being at peace? Uh, what in your life threatens that peace? And what are some changes you might make this next year uh, to remove that chaos from your life? I, I had to take um, news notifications off my phone because they, it, I, I found anxiety developing in me from that. How well prepared are you for Christ to come? Uh, that's, a, that's a question that I think is worth reflecting on. Uh, if you're looking for further reading on in the book of Matthew, uh, Jesus, Jesus provides lots of parables and teachings on, on waiting and watching. And I'm going to put those in the show notes. But a lot of his parables uh, are focused on, are you ready for the return of Christ? That was true then and is true today. Uh, so as we pray, come, Lord Jesus, Lord, come quickly. I, I pray that we are developing eyes to see and ears to hear what God is doing in this world and that we will be prepared to meet him. Uh, God bless you and spend some time in peace today being present to the presence of God.